on episode 86 of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, Secrets to Workplace Engagement. The most effective leaders I see, period, are people that don't have a lot of ego, that are more extroverted, that get to know people more at a personal level and care more about what's going on around them. You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast, insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Thanks for joining us. I'm Randy Lane. On today's podcast, I'm talking with business and executive coach Jason Troy. He's worked with Silicon Valley Royalty and many Fortune 500 companies. We're going to talk about the secrets to workplace engagement. He says disengaged workers are costing businesses $550 billion in lost productivity. So what's the secret? You'll have to listen to find out. And now, here's Jason. So welcome to the podcast, Jason. If you could kind of start out by just telling us who you are and a little bit of your background. Sure. My name is uh, Jason Troy, and I'm an executive coach. And I started off on my career going to law school and getting my master's in communications and decided that wasn't the route for me. So I went out to Silicon Valley during the gold rush and got to work with some great people like Steve Jobs and Mark Cuban and wow. a lot of great venture capitalists and you know pretty well-known people. And then the market crashed and I decided to move closer to my mom since I hadn't lived near her in a long time. So I found my way to Dallas and uh, started working in a startup company that went public then worked at Hewlett Packard and in the midst of all this, I just was not really in love working in corporate America. And I had really built a pretty vibrant social life and people sought me out to help them build relationships and meet people. And I thought, well, maybe there's an opportunity here to turn this into something. So I started out really small and created a niche with someone else that I pitched to that had an existing business about how to build a social life in basically 30 days or less. <laughs> and that was really it. And I wanted to see if it would work and if someone would buy it. And it was pretty successful. And I always wanted to transition to do more business things. So, you know, that eventually to falling out my business partner and I was in the midst of writing a book and all this stuff came together and then just landed me on the path that I am on today. Sound very similar to the, um, the Art of Charm guys. Are you familiar with them at all? I am, yeah. <laughs> so the creating a, uh, a social life in 30 days, how does someone go about that for, for people who are interested? What's the main premise there? Well, the main premise is that if you really go to the right places, you can meet a lot of people quickly. And I find that the challenge most people have is they're operating out of scarcity meaning that you really find your friends and people that you relate with more when you meet more people because it's all relative, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, right now, the only basis you have for the relationships is other relationships you've had or believe that you could have, right? Mm -hmm. And that, again, is a story you're either making up or probably very little experience, right? So that's, that's kind of the premise. And so if you can go into rooms with higher quality people that are giving, helping, and inspiring, then you're 
going to meet better people for you and have better choices in the people that you bring closest in your life. Hmm. Well, I don't want to spend too much time on this because, uh, you know, this is a business podcast, but I do think there's a lot of overlap in how you talk to people and how, how you build a social life outside of work and how you, you build one inside of work. And it sounds like maybe your focus now is kind of engagement. Is that correct? Yes. It's engagement and teaching people really how to, you know, create great relationships inside of the workplace, become better leaders, better managers. I mean, it really comes down to relationships that you have with people, period, right? And mm -hmm. I mean, and you call them different things, but end of the day, it's your ability to interact with someone else. It's your social awareness. And then really it's your self-awareness that starts first, because if that's not in a good place, then all the social awareness you have won't really help you because you'll not really understand what your own needs are and you'll be oblivious to really other people. Hmm. So I saw you did a TEDx talk. Uh, can you kind of tell me about, about that? I was watching it and there were some pretty alarming statistics in there. Well, one of the things I did a TEDx talk on was the, the title is how to get coworkers to like each other. And the premise initially was I wanted to find some way to help organizations create a great workplace like you see in Forbes, right, at the top of the list. And my belief is, is that it's not wasn't really necessary to spend a lot of money in order to do that. Hmm. It There are other things that are much more important that I think that human resources people, executives, leaders really fail to understand, and they're not really applying in a business setting. And I was like, okay, well, let's just go start digging through the research. So I spent a lot of time looking through research and a couple of the things that really glared after doing, you know, three months of pretty intensive research to figure out, you know, what was the exact topic I was going to work on was one that um, Gallup had a poll out that said 70% of U.S. workers are disengaged, right? That means mm. they're showing up to work and you can think of them as close to being zombies, right? They're not engaged. They're not working anywhere near their maximum level, right? And it's costing U.S. businesses from one-person shops up to, you know, Fortune 100 companies, $550 billion in lost productivity in wow. the U.S., right? I mean, that's and they've been doing that for a long time. And those numbers, I think, are pretty close to what people are at based on looking at surveys and my own clients and other people and talking to them and seeing what people are doing. I think the other stat that's really disturbing, too, is, you know, loneliness levels are at the highest that they have ever been. And they're at 40 percent of the U.S. population. And loneliness is the fact of you feeling like you're alone, not actually being alone, right? Because you can work with thousands of people in the same place and feel alone. Well, yeah. if you feel alone, it's like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Hmm. I mean, it's slowly killing you. And they've proven that, that now your social connections are as, par as important as food, shelter, and water. You will die early without them. Your mental health will decline. You'll get sick more often. That alone is pretty disturbing. But when you're lonely, you also feel entrenched and you don't perform near as well. And you lower the performance and productivity of any team or any group, right? And that could be someone from a solopreneur to someone, again, in a Fortune 100 company. So 
the data all around this, and there's so much more on it, says that the closer relationships that we have with people and the more personal information we know, we like them more and it will increase our performance level and it will increase it significantly and it will give you a competitive advantage against other organizations, you know, five, 10, 20 times your size. So do you think it's the technology that's making us feel more lonely? Well, I think part of it is that because I think there's a false sense of connection with people by having it, right? Because if you feel like you have friends on Facebook and are doing stuff, you feel like you have these connections, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and before, you had to go out and talk to people, right? I mean, this is the only time in recorded history that you would not. And social skills and relationship building skills are learned behaviors. Right. Yes, there are some people that are better than others, but... It's, it isn't really that many people. Everyone learns and can really increase their ability to build relationships and get to know people, collaborate if they just practice. It's like going to the gym. If you go to the gym once a month, it's hard to stay in shape. Well, if you're not practicing these skills, it's the same way. And so I think technology is part of it, but I also think that we're much more disconnected because people are moving around. So they're much more rootless than they were before. Right. So what's happening is in the workplace too, is that it's not work life, you know, separation. It's not work life balance. It's not work life integration. It really is work and your life are the same. Hmm. I mean, so if you don't build relationships with people on some level that are friendly, inside of the workplace, you're going to have a really difficult time because you're not only spending 50, 60, 70 hours a week there, you're thinking about it a considerable amount of time. So you don't have that much free time and you have to maximize when you use it. So you don't really have those social connections in your life that you need if you don't have them at work. Do you think it's also the cause that uh, people are staying with companies less amount of time you know, back in the day it was you work somewhere, you might retire there after 30 years. And I don't know what the stats are now, but it seems like people aren't, a lot of people aren't around for more than five years. Yeah. It's, I think it's even less. I think it's somewhere, I I don't know the latest stats, but it's somewhere around three to four years on average. So I think that also plays into it because you're moving around more. Mm -hmm. And so you have to consistently be able to build relationships really fast. So the problem is now is people social communication and emotional skill sets are at the lowest in recorded history. And now people actually need them the most because they are the most rootless and they're moving around all the time. So they need to be able to jumpstart and immediately get in situations where they can create great relationships quickly because they don't have the time because they, they won't be there in that city or that organization. Let's talk about it from a, a employee perspective. So say I'm somebody who's uh, working at a company, I don't really have deep relationships with people around me, um, and I rely on technology maybe more than I should. How do I start to build those relationships with my coworkers so that I can have a better work experience? Well, I think you've got to understand the premise that the reason you do this, right, if you're an employee or an employer, is the fact that when people like you, right, as a person, they are more personally invested in helping you, having you being successful, they'll collaborate, they'll communicate, they'll problem solve more with you. Mm -hmm. And how you do that 
is you get to know people on a personal level and you spend time as a priority in order to get to know them. And when you say you don't have time, well, if people don't like you, they will derail you and you'll spend 10 times as much trying to get them to participate when you could spend a 10th of that and actually get to know them. And then they'll immediately show up as someone who wants to help and work with you. Mm-hmm. So I told people you should be going around talking to people that you work with, that you have some working relationship with, or even are just in the same building with. And you can start by one, asking them questions such as, so tell me like, what's exciting that's going on in your life right now outside of work, right? Or talk or ask them like, what are you passionate about, you know, in your life and get to know what they're doing? Because the important thing about that is even less that they know about you and more that you know about them. So just listen and ask questions and yeah, share. But I always say share and talk in, you know, in proportion to your ears and your mouth, right? It should be at least two to one. Right. <laughs> and the other thing you can do is doing things such as suggesting in a team meeting to the team leader Let's do something so people can get to know each other better, such as like in the beginning of a weekly staff meeting, have everyone show up and have a picture that they think is meaningful and give them 30 seconds to talk about why that picture is meaningful, right? Right. Because then people will start to bond and get to know each other and understand their lives, what's going on. And you then will make the meeting much more productive because people look forward to it because it won't be some boring meeting and two people will be more personally invested in that meeting because they'll get to know that people much better than they will other meetings so you just have to find ways to go and get information from people and get to know them and spend time and if you do it in very small increments, like say you're going to put on your calendar three times a week, I'm going to walk around the office, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm only going to do it for 15 minutes. You'd be amazed what you will be able to accomplish in a month because I have my clients do this and they can't believe the change that happens in the workplace and what goes on in 30 days. And so you will have the same effect in your workplace. And I guarantee if you do this stuff, you performance review will go up significantly. You'll be getting raises, you'll be getting promotions, and you won't really necessarily be doing anything more. In fact, you may actually be doing less because people will be helping you and they'll want you to succeed because they'll like you. So let's look at it this from another perspective. So say I'm the leader of somebody who has took it upon themselves now to walk around and talk to people and I'm trying to get the work done. And, uh, this guy over here is just talking to people. Doesn't he understand that we have work to be done? Yeah. Well, I think you got to set boundaries, right? I mean, everything's boundary laden. And I think what it is, is that you, if you take 50, people are going to waste time anyways. Right. I mean, the reality is when I sit down with people and I ask them, okay, how much time do you surf the internet or do other stuff? People are doing it a significant amount, even whether you know it or not as a leader. So mm-hmm. that's part of it. But second of all, you have to have boundaries and you have to get your work done, right? I mean, if people aren't doing that, then there's another issue beyond them having conversations with people. So do you think it's the responsibility of the people in leadership positions to realize that this is something that is beneficial for their employees, the the time to get to know each other and to really feel like they mesh together as a team. 
Yeah, because the, I mean, the other data is that if you have a close work friend or a good friend at work, you're seven times more productive and your retention rate goes up seven times. Mm -hmm. And to replace an employee will cost you anywhere from a hundred times their uh, salary, one to three times their salary. So if a hundred thousand dollar employee leaves, it'll cost you not only a hundred thousand dollars to hire them, but another hundred thousand to three hundred thousand dollars to train them, get them up to speed and lost productivity. You got to understand that this is, and if you, they like someone at work and they have a best friend, they're seven times more productive. So imagine that productivity going through the roof, right? And it's all this data is out there. It's just that people aren't looking at it. So you have a personal investment because the other thing too is I went around a couple of years ago and interviewed my clients, people that reported into them. And one of the things I wanted to find out is why are people working late for them? Why are people doing what they're doing? And when I dug through it all and got through the data and interviews, I realized the reason people stay up at 11, 12, you know, 1 a.m. to do emails and do work is not for their own personal success, the top reason. Mm -hmm. It's the top reason is because they don't want to disappoint their boss, right. their leader, right? Because they know that leader cares about them. And that is the key thing if you're a leader. That's why people are doing what they're doing because ultimately in our DNA, we want to belong to a group. So by doing this, you're going to get people working longer, working harder, be more engaged, collaborate, communicate better, and you're going to see significantly better results yeah. if you're able to institute this in an organization. And essentially all what I'm talking about is free, right? right. I mean, but people just don't do it because they think that there's no time for it. You know, I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to share my personal life. And there's 50,000 excuses and they think it's just business and people will do it. Well, that's actually counter to the analytical data that in research that people have been doing. And that's a story people are making up in their head because they don't want to do the work. Right. Um, our founder, Chip Wilson, he likes to talk about calling people out when they do things right. Look for those times when someone has done something exceptional and really make sure that you let them know that you've seen that and that you are going to let other people know about that, but you know, not in a, a corny kind of way. And also that people will raise to the ex expectations that you give them. So, you know, even if it may be something a little bit above sure. what they are currently capable of, if they see that you expect that of them in a, in a positive way, like I really feel like you can do this, that they will raise to those expectations. And there's all this data on praise too, right? If you praise people on a regular, consistent basis, you'll get people to be much more productive than if you give them more money. And I mean, and they looked at it where if you praise only one person in a group, you'll see the group's productivity go up, I think by 30%. If you do, if you do with that one person on a, you know, monthly or re and regular basis. So, I mean, that all makes sense because that's, that's, again, that's all data. It's just that people don't do any of this stuff regularly. I mean, very few leaders do this because I talk to them and I know what they're doing and I, I don't really understand. So I think it's great advice. And if people implemented that consistently, they would see significant results in people being way more productive and creative. It's kind of like for the larger companies, how many people go out of their way to praise the IT guy when something has gone right. And a lot of times people don't even notice the IT guy until something goes wrong. So from their perspective, 
they may feel like they're undervalued because you know they're doing all this amazing stuff to make sure all of our gadgets talk to each other and everything happens seamlessly and we don't even notice it but then when things go offline you know we're calling them and we're angry about it and the problem with that is is then that person doesn't want to engage and help they may have to but they're doing it with a negative mindset unwilling and that means that they're probably going to be slower to fix it than they could be and even if they do fix it just as fast I mean, just the result and the experience won't be as positive. So, I mean, the thing is to engage with people in a positive way and try to lift them up through, you know, your words, acts, and deeds, and then get to know who they are, right? And ask them because, and that goes for someone who's a solopreneur. Like I, all my people, consultants or other people I outsource to, I ask stuff to them. And it's amazing to me the great emails I'll get from them thanking me from asking about their family, getting to know and do stuff. And then you know what happens? It's like when I ask them to do something, it's done extremely quickly. And I know that it is because they tell me, right? They said, well, I'll get to that before I'm doing some other things, right? Mm-hmm. And it's because I have a personal investment and I take the time, which is almost no time, right? Because, I mean, that, that information I got from them in 30 seconds, but it's now gotten the situation where things will be fixed quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get things back faster, way more than um, the little time that it took me to engage and just say a few things or email to them about it. So I hear you've created an interesting game to get people to engage. Yeah, the, the name of the game is called Cards Against Mundanity. And it's basically cards against humanity, except for the workplace. Right. And what I found is I did some research and there's a professor named Arthur Aaron back in 1997. And this is pre, you know, social media and, you know, very little Internet. He wanted to try to find a way to make fast friends from people who didn't know each other at all. So he did a bunch of different experiments. And one of them that he did was he had people sit down in front of each other that were complete strangers and ask each other 36 questions, which became much more revealing as they went through it Mm -hmm. over 45 minutes. And he wanted to measure the results. Well, he had a group of 54 grad students that he did in his first group. And 30% of the people at the end of it said the relationship that they just created was the deepest relationship they had in their life. Hmm. And one of the original couples got married, invited everyone from the first group to the wedding. It's amazing. Anecdotally pretty funny. But I mean, I think that stat is incredible, right? That 30% of people... And what's really interesting is that you can do that in a workplace environment. And all you need to do is engage with people because the key to building better relationships with people is not only getting to know their shared experiences, what's even more important is the shared emotions, right? If someone shared something about uh, a loss in their life, like someone dying, like Mm -hmm. you've had loss in your life where you can relate to them and that will bring you closer together. Right. And what happens in this game too is what you'll find is that people who don't like each other begin to find neutral relationships. People who are a neutral go to like, people who go to like go to love. And that increases productivity overnight because when you start to like people, the other thing that happens is is that you maximize your leadership skills, you maximize your management skills, you maximize communication, collaboration, you're treating people differently. So it's basically free training overnight. 
And the essence of the game is you go around in a circle, you pick up a card and you answer the question, right? Mm -hmm. And the questions will be like, you know, what was your favorite summer job and why? To if you could pick one year of your life to do over, which one would it be and why? Hmm. And it's and you just the key is in the game is the leader needs to go first because then the group knows it's safe to answer the questions because vulnerability is a key piece of this and everyone wants to be vulnerable but no one wants to start so if you have the senior person in the room start the leader then everyone starts to pick questions that are more vulnerable and you get better results and at the end everyone goes around and mentions three things that they learned about people in one minute and you're done. And you can do this in a little as 45 minutes or you know, if you have a bigger group, maybe it takes an hour and a half, but that's it. And then next day you'll see results from people because they'll get to know each other. They'll find people in the group that they have a lot more in common with. They'll find out a lot of information that they didn't know. And in fact, I gave this game to people, you know, probably four months ago that had been married for 20 years or had been best friends for 20 years. And every person who I gave it to said that they learned substantial amounts of information that changed the relationship they had with that person. So it doesn't matter whether you've known people, you won't ask these types of questions because it's just, unless it comes up in a conversation flow, it's really odd to bring them up. And if you do, people are gonna wonder why you're asking them <laughs> and it will get them in defensive posture actually. And they probably won't give you the real answer either. So, but if a card asks you the question, it's anonymous. So you just answer it. You know, I've had people play this game. Now I have someone actually playing it for the third time inside of the organization, inside of groups and multiple groups. So it's, uh, it's, it's fun and you know, it's something different and it's an effective team building thing. And essentially, again, it's free. I mean, you don't need to spend any money or thousands of dollars to hire someone or go somewhere. Um, you have all the best resources right there, meaning people and their experiences. So do you find it beneficial to go through it whenever maybe the team changes, like someone leaves and somebody else comes in so that that person can feel like more part of the group again? Uh, you know, you could, I, I, you know, it depends on the organization really. Right. I mean, I, I think it, because essentially you're, there's so many cards in the game I and mean, I think I have like 60 or something. So y you wouldn't answer any, you know, the same question again anyway. So you could right. continually do this with that, or you could do it just on a, you know, quarterly or half yearly or yearly basis with people. Um, I think whatever increment you do, you'll see results because you'll find that people will find someone else that they can relate to. Um, and then when you have people at the end publicly acknowledging people, it shows that they listened and it shows that they learned something. And that makes people in the group happy because they know that you care because you listened and you're saying something nice about them. So it lifts everyone up at the end too, as well. And I think that does, that's something I changed when I was starting to create all this and I saw, you know, I ran it as an experiment. I was just thinking if you're in a, a group setting where it's really important that that team work together, if you had, you know, five people that had gone through it before and you get a new employee, they could feel like, man, this is a really tight knit group and I don't feel like I'm a part of it. And that maybe, you know, doing that again or yeah. doing it in a smaller setting might help them to feel like, Oh, now I'm a part of this group. Yeah. And I mean, really, it, you can do this stuff super fast, right? I mean, right. you can do it in a setting with like five people 
I mean, you know, and you can do that easily in 45 minutes or less. So I think that that's, those are great ways. Right. And again, it's a quick way to do this in order to boost people. Right. And it's like showing the picture thing is helpful too. Um, I think the more things that you can do to get people to reveal who they are to other people, they become much more invested in the workplace because they look at it more as their family and as belonging. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to care more about the outcomes that happen. I mean, it's just human nature. It's just people aren't thinking like that and aren't looking to create that because they've been told that business is business. Well, it's not really business is just, it's all, we're emotionally different creatures. I mean, everyone is, even the people that are logical people are emotionally driven. I mean, I guess the only people that may not be are people that, you know, are <laughs> sociopaths, psychopaths, <laughs> right? That don't feel something. And at some level, some narcissists, but they do too. It's just different, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it that's the way we are driven. And I think when you don't understand that, you aren't really an effective leader because the effect, the most effective leaders I see, period, they get the most out of their teams are people that don't have a lot of ego, that are more extroverted, that get to know people, um, or if they're introverted, they just get to know people more at a personal level and care more about what's going on around them. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge difference in how you build effective teams and organizations. Because the people who don't, they're losing so much money and productivity that maybe they're doing well now, but it's just a matter of time before things don't go well or a couple of key employees leave and you see productivity start to go down significantly. So how do you reinforce this sort of like camaraderie and group think to, you know, over time? This is a good... I think a, a first step to try and get people to realize that they they should engage with each other but also like for an example in my situation uh me and the people in my office we sit and stare at screens most of the day and that's what a lot of other people do and so uh the graphic designer and i will go and play some ping pong in the break room you know as a way to kind of break things up to talk to kind of you know get us back into the mindset when we need to go back is there ways that you would have people kind of reinforce this over time yeah, I mean, you know, you could, there's a lot of things you could do. One, the picture thing I said in every staff meeting every week, I think is helpful. I think you could have a program that I've had people do where it's take someone out to lunch mm -hmm. once a month, even um, that you pick and you take that person out to lunch and the company pays, you know, gives you 20 bucks each to go out to lunch and you spend time getting to know them, right? I mean, I think you can go do ping pong tournaments if you have them and get a table right or you could go out and do some charity thing i think you just have to start doing different activities and seeing which ones work with the people there mm -hmm. and ask them and saying okay what things would you like to do right and i think what you can do is when you open it up by playing the game what happens then is you get people more emotionally invested and now it's just a matter of doing little things here and there and instituting things where they're engaging with people on a personal level consistently, mm -hmm. right? And it, it can be one person or a group, it doesn't really matter. It just needs to be something. And you've just got to do a variety of things that will engage with people. And so I think you have a, a significant amount of room to do that. The problem is if you start just doing activities like ping pong, it's great to do that, but you don't have a connection with that person because you don't know them. 
Hmm. So activity, so, and that what happens is you build very tenuous relationships with them because there's no depth to it because you don't know who they are, where they came from. You don't know any experiences that have really shaped and molded them, right? Like you would your best friend. Right. And you have to think about it. Like if you were going to go your best friend, like why are they your best friend? It's not because you played kickball or you play, you go running or you do some activity. It's because you know the ins and outs of their lives, their ups and downs, and they've been there and supported you. Well, then you have to basically sh do the same thing in the workplace, right? So you've got to start with that. And then these activities really build on it. But if you right. do the opposite, it doesn't really work near as effective. And that's why all these perks that people put and buy and spend don't work because at some point people just take them for granted because they're not really giving them a sense of belonging. They're giving right. them a perk and they look at it as a monetary thing. So it's kind of similar to, you know, when you develop a, a, a best friendship, you, you have that deep connection where you guys know each other on a very familiar level, but there is also the reinforcing of it by just doing fun things and liking to be yes, around each other. Totally. And that's what, and that's how this, that, that's how this would that's work. And I tell people do this and it works extremely well. And then when they spend money, they're actually getting significant value rather than doing these activities and they're not getting anything out of the team building. Right. Because it happens all the time. I'm just like, okay, well, how do you feel after you've done that ropes course? Well, it's nice, but I did something fun, but I don't have any depth of a relationship with that person. So who cares whether I trusted them to go across a wire and they clap for me? It's, right. it, it, it's, it does something, but it doesn't do near as much as if you know the information that their mother died of five-year bout with cancer and it was the toughest thing they've gone through in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it really devastated them, right? And then you can share information about some loss in your life. Well, then when you do that same ropes course, it's a whole different experience because mm -hmm. you're doing it with someone you care about rather than someone that you barely know. This is kind of related. I used to work for a TV show and it was based in Phoenix, but we had bureaus all over the country and, you know, little small bureaus. And we would get together once a year to kind of uh, talk about the vision of the show and kind of, you know, group in a way that we couldn't do the rest of the year, you know, via Skype calls and whatnot. And the leadership wanted to make it interesting and fun to come so they had like a themed dinner each year and so it got kind of progressively out of control where people would try and one-up the people for the next year <laughs> and uh, there was a year when it was the it was a hawaiian theme so i went before the meeting and i got myself uh you know hawaiian shirt but also a coconut bra and a grass skirt <laughs> and uh showed up and had you know more than most people did they just did the hawaiian shirt and the interactions I got were more than I had before because people thought it was so funny and interesting they come and talk to me and then I started talking to them on a deeper level and got to know these people they were up very high up in the in the tv world that I was in and even later about six months later the uh, the station manager for San Diego's station was in town and he was like oh coconut bra guy <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I, it was it was an icebreaker that led to more conversations that I had had previous. So yeah, I think they go hand in hand. I like the idea of having the the deep conversation by asking these questions and getting to know. But there, I think there's still going to be some people that are a little standoffish, and you have to have something to bring them together in the first place and to make them feel comfortable enough to start those conversations. Yeah, 
And I think, again, one of the things that helps is when the leader goes first, because then it shows that they're buying into it and it's important and they've got to open up by saying something too, right? You just can't throw someone in it. Right. And it's, it's simple stuff, right? They could show my Ted talk and then people understand, okay, I have a personal investment in doing this. There's a reason why this actually matters and we're doing this right. Not, it's not just that we're playing a game to play a game. It's that we're all going to, you know, create better experiences for ourselves personally and professionally by doing this. And the requirement is you just have to share, right? right? And and then if the leader goes, he's saying, okay, well, I'm putting, pushing all my chips in and I'm taking a very vulnerable question and I'm going to lead off and answer it, right? And that sets the tone for everyone else. Because I've, I've seen dozens and dozens of groups I've been a part in. Always works the same. And I had look one person in the entire time I've done this stuff for, you know, over a year where someone's not wanted to play and they quit two weeks later. Yeah. So it wasn't that they didn't want to play. They were already out the door and they just didn't want to engage. Right. So if you take that out, there's been zero people out of hundreds of people. So I mean, maybe there's an outlier here or there, but people want to get to know each other. I mean, so I think if you give them the opportunity, they'll take and run with it because they want, everyone wants to be seen and heard by other people. And they rarely have the opportunity to do that because no one really sits down to take the time. I was going to ask you, what do you do with the Debbie Downers? I mean, beyond just uh, you know, maybe they don't fit here, you know? Well, I think then it's a cultural issue too, right? I mean, I, I think that if you have negative people, you've got to realize that negativity spreads in an organization like cancer, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to hurt productivity. So either people come to work and they're engaged and they care, right? Or then something has to be done, right? It's the manager and leader's job to sit down and understand what is going on with that person and try to help and support them and then explain to them what their actions actually do when they spread gossip or they're negative, right? On, on the performance of other people and the effects that it has. And then that person has to be accountable and take actions in order to not spread that and do that. And if they don't, then, I think you have to take action because it will hurt the bottom line of the organization and it will hurt other people. You can't allow that to happen. I, you know, when you look at organizations, the biggest problem that they have is people who are high performers who don't buy into the vision and the values and people believe that they can't get rid of them because it will hurt the organization. And the reality is every time I've seen people fire people, or ask people to leave at that point, like I've had people who are, the top salesperson, right? Other people raise up because they don't like that person and mm-hmm. getting them out creates such a better experience that you lift everyone up and sure in the short term, you're going to take a hit, but in the long term, you're going to increase retention. People are going to be happier. They'll be glad it happened. And you know, within six months or a year, you'll be farther along than you were before. Right. And it'll just be a blip on the radar screen. But in the beginning, of course it takes a hit but you can't allow those people to be part of an organization because they infect everyone with either their negativity or the fact that they don't care or that they feel like there are no rules or boundaries for them. Yeah. It's good to know that this is a a common trend because we see that a lot with companies we work with. We have a very scientific term we use for them, crap magnet. (laughs) Yeah. People that are always just in a, a kind of a crappy mood and they will suck everyone into their orbit if you let them. So we tell leaders, your culture is only as good as the worst behavior you allow. 
So if you're going to allow those people to act that way, you can expect the culture not to improve. And I, we do believe that some of those people can be rehabilitated. And a lot of it starts with making sure that your leadership is good, obviously. But then a lot of these people have what we call fundamental attribution error. And we all are, are guilty of it where we want to be judged on our intent, but we judge everyone else on their actions. So we think people can see our yes. intent, but they can't. And so they may be seeing their poor situation not as something that's their fault, but something that was put on them. And so they're justified in their attitudes. Yes. And sometimes people are having a lot of personal problems too. Yeah. And I think like, and I think that's one of the things that managers and leaders today, I think because work life is the same, that you have to start managing people's personal lives. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that I, I look at it and I talk to people that, you know, I coach is that you need to either spend money or time in proportion to the value that that person brings to the organization, right? So if it's someone who's your chief technology officer, you need to do and spend money at almost any rate you can, because if they are not fully engaged, it's going to be costing you, you know, hundreds or millions of dollars every year. If it's an admin, it's completely different, right? Mm -hmm. But you need to understand the differences and why you need to intercede with people. Because just as an example, I had a client of mine who's a, you know, CEO and I was working with the CTO and she was going through marital problems. And I asked her a question. I said, so at a scale of, you know, one to 10, 10 being present all the time and zero never being present, where do you think you've been the last six months? And she said a six. And I thought to myself, you know how much money that that costs that organization? Mm -hmm. So me stepping in and talking to her, right? And then helping her find, you know, a divorce attorney and, you know, and that organization stepped in and sort of helped and did some nice things for her. Like, this cost them probably millions of dollars in lost productivity because someone wasn't checked in and because the person running the, the organization didn't engage as much. And it's not really necessarily their fault because they didn't know, but that's a cost on the table. So I think as a manager today, you've got to understand that that is the new norm and you can't just say, well, you need to figure it out or, you're going to leave your bag at the door of personal problems because it just doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that goes for any level, right? If it's, if it's the board of directors, they need to interact and understand what the management team is doing, right? Because that's affecting their investment, their leadership, I mean, everything else. It's just that people aren't thinking like that because they assume that people will put those aside, but that's not how it plays itself out when you look at where people's headspace is, where their activities are, how they spend their time during the day. All right, Jason. Well, this has been a really informative podcast. Uh, if people want to find you, what's the best way to do that? Well, they can go to my website and that's Jason. And my last name is spelled T-R-E-U.com. So it's Troy, but <laughs> it doesn't look like that when it's spelled <laughs> out. And you can also get the game we've been talking about, Cards Against Mundanity at cardsagainstmundanity.com and you can download it and play your team building game right away and within five minutes literally of downloading it and printing it and starting it up excellent and you you have a podcast yourself yeah i do it's called executive breakthroughs and it's just interviewing different executives and you know getting their ups and downs and just really understanding what they've gone through in order to be successful and telling their story arc 
lessons and each one's a little bit different depending on, you know, what the person's focusing on, specializing in, and just, you know, their life story. All right, Jason. Well, thank you very much for being on the show today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. Every little bit helps. Our website is hpleadershippodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hpleadershippodcast. Follow us on Twitter at hpl underscore podcast. And shoot us an email at podcast at 360solutions.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.